Welcome to the Business of People, the podcast that's all about people in business. Each episode, we'll talk to business owners and experts about a theme relating to the people in our businesses. We'll speak to people who've been there and learn from their experiences. We'll talk about everything from how to hire and develop your people, creating great culture to the psychology of work and how to build an amazing, motivated team that live and breathe your values. The Business of People is brought to you by Quintal. No matter what the size of your business, you need to train and develop your people. Quintal is a really easy to use and really affordable learning and compliance platform built for businesses just like yours. And it's unique because your team can store, share and manage their achievements and courses from all their employers in one place with their Quintal ID. If you're an employer, Quintal Learning Manager can help you deliver basic training with seven free courses and develop your team with thousands more courses in our course store. Then deliver your training, report on it and stay compliant automatically. Try it now for free. Sign up at quintal.com forward slash BOP. That's Q-I-N-T-I-L dot com forward slash BOP. And now enjoy this episode of The Business of People. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Business of People. If business is all about people, then as business owners and managers, we should really pay attention to behavior and the mindset of our people and how that can help us grow. A workplace is a microcosm of everything that makes us and affects us as human beings. Happiness, sadness, frustration, satisfaction and fear, confidence, love, hate, loneliness and camaraderie. Every human trait is here and so to make our businesses successful, we need to understand them and focus on creating environments that harness the positive traits and manage the negative traits. That's pretty obvious, but managing people is as hard as it is satisfying. So we're going to talk about this over the next two episodes of The Business of People, and we'll probably come back to it many times in the future episodes as well, because it really underpins everything. In the first part, we're going to talk about recruiting and onboarding your team. And in the second part, we'll focus on understanding and developing your team through their career. And we're going to talk about the different approaches to each, depending upon whether your business is in startup or scaling mode, or whether you own or are a manager in a larger, more established corporate business or enterprise. Joining me today is Mark Schrager. He's a successful entrepreneur, having launched several businesses in telecoms and technology in the UK and overseas. He's currently the CEO of Newstar Networks, a multi-award winning cloud telecoms and digital solutions business. Mark also has a master's degree in applied coaching and runs the coaching firm Brighter Lives. Mark. Hi there. Thanks for joining us. Maybe you can start, Mark, just by giving us a brief introduction to you and your businesses and also how you got involved in behavioral studies and um, and coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been interested in the, in the, you know, the science of how people develop and become successful for pretty much my whole business career. So that goes back about 20 years now, which is frightening. Um, and uh, so I, I sort of dropped out of a, a, a degree um, 20 years ago uh, to make some money in, in knocking on doors and sales and um, and uh, eventually I just found out that I was never going back. Um, I tried again 10 years later, did a, a, an introduction to developmental psychology, did a few semesters of that and then uh, had a baby come along and uh, this company that I presently run 
um, which led to eventually doing a master's degree while still building my fourth company. Um, so I eventually had to reframe who and what I am. I'm a, an entrepreneur that builds successful companies with a core interest in how people develop and become successful. Um, and I just happen to write about development, but mostly I'm just a telecoms entrepreneur, which I'm having to come to terms with as a, <laughs> as a reality. Um, so does that answer your question? Fantastic. Absolutely. So I thought we'd start off really um, talking through the life cycle of someone joining a business. Mm. And so talking about when we bring somebody into a business, when we recruit someone at whatever level that is, yeah. um, <clears throat> there is a, there's a, there's something going on there, which is a, a need want mindset for both the candidate and for you as the business owner. Mm. So why don't we just start? Maybe we can talk about some of your experiences and some of your learnings on the recruitment process, mm. hiring uh, and bringing people into the business. Yeah. So um, it, it's uh, one of my skill sets is profiling candidates uh, from the get go. Uh, so you can get a sense of, you know, uh, it's not so much what, what the personal qualifications are. It's about what they're about as a person. Um, so what a person pays attention to is where they're going to put their energy. Um, so if they're not paying attention to the core values of your business, and if they're never going to do that, um, it's probably worth finding out what they are going to pay attention to. So the questions you ask them is what's most important to you about what you do in this role. Um, and then what's most important to you about being successful in life. You probably find the two lists might be different. Um, and I start to hone in on what makes the person light up a bit more. And it can be quite often that I'll find that the person completely doesn't want to do what they've turned up to do. They're very excited about doing something else. I help them to create a case study around, this is in a real live interview. Mm. I help them to create a case study around what they really want to do. Mm. And I suggest where they can go and get that job. That's really interesting. Yeah. So they thank me very much. We part company very happy that we haven't <laughs> done business with each other as uh, employer and employee. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's when it doesn't work. Um, yeah. When it does work, it starts to become very clear that the person uh, starts to see they can get slightly more than they hoped for, yeah. which is really what I want when yeah. somebody comes in for a job role with me. I want them to find that they were kind of hoping to get in at this level, like, you know, low down and uh, kind of slug away and then leak some of their energy through Facebook or whatever else that they're not quite getting what they want out of life. And all of a sudden, I tell them, you know, well, I'm really interested with what you think about the website as well. And any thoughts on marketing? And they're like, I'm here to be an engineer. <laughs> but yes, I'm really fascinated to add about it. Can I do that? So yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, and then by the time we're finished, the person has got closer to lighting up about their purpose in life. And we learn about that a little bit. Mm. Uh, they can see there's a pathway to getting that. And obviously the commercial package is right. Mm. And I think we've onboarded the person that um, from the very beginning is clear that there's something special for them. And we're clear that there's something special for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how do you, you know, let's say, <clears throat> what I think was really interesting there was almost putting them on the spot. And getting them to do their um, their kind of uh, their case study mm. um, and talk us through that. How, how does that usually work? Well, this is really interesting because, like, um, it's I I coach people in interviews so that they have a chance of putting their best foot forward. Yeah, because you often don't see that, and some of the best candidates are not very good at packaging themselves up unless you unless it's the salesperson I'm seeing, then I should really get the best possible presentation. Then you know, that's <laughs> yeah. a classic, right? Yeah. Um, but I had a guy in um, the other day and his CV looked great, but he was, uh, he was all over the place. And I said to him, let's, let's use a frame. It's up to you which one of you, this is the, both the same, but just different acronyms. One of them is uh, CAR, which is challenge, action, result. And the other one is TAU, which is task, action, outcome. You can pick either one you like, but I want you to take 
something that was a big challenge for you. Tell me what you did about it to resolve it. And what was the result? Yeah. Uh, and the guy said, oh, now you say that. Uh, and tells me a stonking example where he simplified a problem and went outside of the box to nail it. And he, and he had a few more. And I thought, well, uh, that was it. Case closed. I'm hiring you. It's perfect. You know, yeah. Yeah. I took, took real willpower not to say you've got the job then and there and sit there and go through the rest of the process because it's what you want. Yeah. But without that, I don't, I don't know. I would have hired the guy. Mm. So sometimes mm. it's important that they mm. package it. Yeah, it's drilling down. And that's the interview process, isn't it? And it's, that's understanding mm. sort of moving away from a kind of formulaic interview process mm. and trying to tap into something that's really there underlying, which yeah. they might not even be prepared to sort of bring out or expect to bring out. Yes. And then you tap into that nerve and you unearth, like you just said, that sort of exactly, that scene yeah. of gold, um, which you might not have known about otherwise. Yeah, one of the things that I try to do, um, and as you say, the moving around thing in, in the conversation is vital, uh, particularly because what I'm actually doing is I'm calibrating and trying to sound them out to a certain degree, but not just sounding them out. I'm literally working to see what is it, when is it that person is most lit up? So I'm looking for physical cues when the person, you know, like when a smile touches their eyes kind of thing, that kind of, you know, it's real, you know, and posture shifts, you know, person starts to look more congruent, like more in the game. Uh, and then you, you start talking about something that's not quite the place for them. Then the posture shifts, slumps down, breathing changes, the nature of uh, less superlatives in the, in the sentences. Um, the other thing you find, and this gets more onto the earlier point that you mentioned, which is with what a business needs and what people want, is if that's a frame. That's a frame in itself. So when you talk to a person about what do they want from a job and what do they need, you know, what are they doing it for? Are they doing it because... Now, what, what's the classic question I ask? I say, um, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And, uh, and as they're sitting there going, mm, this is not a great answer. I can, I can get an idea what that is. And is it one of two things? Is it um, so that you don't get fired? Yes, eventually you finally get out of bed and you know you're just about to slither in just on time. Uh, or you get out of bed and you get up like a bolt out of bed mm. because of what you're going to get out of the day, what's going to happen, you know, the, the payoff, you know, the, the involvement, the investment, whatever the thing is, whatever gets you zinging. Um, and, uh, if I have a person that I can never get that answer from, mm -hmm. I'm very unlikely to hire them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a long journey for that individual and they're going to have a, a sequence, uh, or an eternity even of very unrewarding jobs because they just don't know what makes them move forward. Yeah. 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 What sort of feedback would you, do you give? You know, I think that's, that's a really interesting point because mm -hmm. that you said it earlier on and I've done this as well in interviews where <clears throat> you go through the interview process and at some point along there. Yes. You either have that moment where you realise, yes, this person's for us, or no. Yes. And that no quite often can come relatively soon in the interview process. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's nice to give somebody that kind of bit of advice and that sort of guidance yes. in that process as well. So they, they feel it's not a you know completely wasted exercise and they, they leave with a little bit of a, a lift in them. Well, I had the same thing just the other day. Um, yeah. uh, I had a guy come in and everything about him was, he was highly visual. Um, he was tall and thin you know very very visual very much in his own head he was this is a type yeah he's um you get somebody who looks like that they will think visually they'll be very very cognitive very in their own head and i wanted somebody that would do structural thinking around it that's what i wanted and uh he was great for that but he knew very little about it so he had all the right mind all the right gearing everything but lacked the experience. He was overqualified for the role, but I need somebody to start right now. Mm. And so I thought, this is a real shame because your quality, I can see your quality. Mm. So I did the same thing as with the other guy. I could tell like in, almost in a minute he was wrong, mm. but I could see a quality individual. So I thought, well, what are you quality for? 
right? So it's a question I have and I've got time to kill. So I, you know, also it's nice to help someone out, but really I was actually just genuinely curious, which is helpful. And I said, so give me a challenge action result from your current job. And the guy blew me out of the water again. It's completely amazing. He'd moved a business from one side of London to the other. And in the process of talking about it, the detail of everything that he checked for quality check across the way, he wasn't particularly technical, but he was a detail and detail with quality across a number of people, plus an awareness of customer sensitivity, like perspectival shifts, you know, as well. And I looked at this guy, yeah, you do not want to be plugging in routers, mate. <laughs> so I started pitching him yeah. to look only for general management jobs or anything that would get him into general management. Yeah. And he just thought, I never thought of that. Yeah. Wow. I said, I think you'd be amazing at that. Yeah. So he walked out yeah. on cloud nine, Ten not getting the job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't need a general manager right now, otherwise I would have done it. Yeah. 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 Now that's an amazing. That's a, that's an amazing feeling actually for for you yeah. as an interviewer to send yeah. someone on. Like, yeah, to, to to pass that information on. And it's a nice way to, to it do is. it. And he'll remember. Always, he'll remember yeah. you as well, and he'll remember the company. And yeah. yes, and and I have even had occasions where people have come ten years down the line mm. and actually come to be part of the organisation mm. after a rejection. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, just recently, I had someone who was a rejection ten years ago come and sell me a wholesale contract to buy data from them, yeah. and that was a nice sort of yeah. quasi connection from yeah. two points. Just um, so there's obviously differences between process and um, <clears throat> mindset when recruiting, depending on the size of your business and depending what you're what you're hiring for. Mm. So if you're a solo founder or a young startup business, there's kind of a, an energy, and you're kind of looking for something which is slightly different than perhaps a, a more established business might be looking for, or certainly the process they might go mm. through. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, very very. You know, one of the things that's always a challenge when you start with a smaller business is that the thing about people who are familiar with each other is that they forgive a multitude of sins. Um, familiarity breeds contempt is the other end of the spectrum. But the other, the, the one that works really well when it works in business is that you forgive a multitude of sins and whatever enables you to move forward to the next outcome, to move through the next learning cycle, to do it as quickly as possible. Um, and that could mean not having an argument that you're perfectly welcome to have and you would be right, but it's a waste of time. And if you're wasting your time having um, I'm right arguments and uh, just your meetings about meetings, you know, to try and quote, clarify awkward, um, poor connections between people. Uh, in the early days, that's, that just, just saps your time and your energy. You have to move fast. Uh, something like 56% of new startups go under um, inside of a year. Within five years, 93% or so have, have died. Um, and so with those kind of rough statistics up against you, you need every, you know, every shred of wind in the sails and the rudder hitting exactly and, you know, all, all that sort of thing. So when you've got um, a tight knit group of people, the big problem is when you then add more people that are not familiar. Mm -hmm. And having some kind of understanding of um, types that might work well together yeah. is, is helpful. So I talked a little bit earlier about a person that was quite visual. Now, that person will be... Um, very different to somebody that's more felt sense has a yeah they get a feel for it they use words that are more concrete you know mm. um if you put the two of them together you have to work to find a connection you have to bridge that mm. otherwise they'll use ways of representing their experience that jar with each other mm. and anybody that really cares about what they're doing in their job or in business uh is all about quality but how they measure quality and how they represent quality to themselves and to others will be different so first thing i want to do is sit down and have a quality conversation about how we know this quality. This pushes back and makes you start to put processes in the business and understand what happens between A to Z in the business, what shunts one process through to the next. 
and that's great for lean thinking and all the rest of it. But the other thing it does is it helps people to use the same language mm. and the same uh, measurement, same ruler for how we're going to be sure about things. And once you do that, you'll find you'll reduce an awful lot of the friction between new people. Mm. And when they find commonalities, they'll find they trust each other and get in rapport sooner. Mm. And the sooner that you can facilitate that, if you can facilitate that, mm. um, the less people you'll churn through and the more people you'll keep. Because when they start working together and they like working together, they'll get out of bed with more zing, even if they're not quite sure what they're doing it for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Personality types. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, awesome. So <clears throat> let's say we've got our person, we've hired them, we've offered them. We're now going to bring them into the business. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most crucial bit. That first kind of few days, that first week or so. Um, and part of it, I think, in my experience as well, is um, a level of expectation versus reality. Mm. So quite often as, as founders and as owners of businesses, we can sell the dream to anyone. I mean, we literally just can. Yeah. At, at interview, you can just sell the most amazing uh, uh, vision that you have for your business and everything else, and people will lap, up, lap it up. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they can come in and maybe they get sat next to the wrong person or they're given something which they weren't quite expecting to do to do. Something's mm. not quite what they thought it was. Yeah. Um, talk me through that. Yeah, so this is a very, very, you know, very insightful, very vital, <laughs> yeah. vital thing, such that I've designed um, onboarding experiences yeah. for people, you know, and you try to do a little virtual reality yourself and what it might be like. I mean, obviously, you've got limitations because, you know, when you put yourself through enough learning cycles, enough through enough difficulties and you know, sleepless nights as an entrepreneur, list of it, there's things that you'll put up with without even, yeah. but you try. And so what I try to do is, is make sure that the first thing the person gets is everything working. So if it's a new starter, they come in and there's a laptop that works or there's a computer that works, email set up, they've got a business card, they've got you know an orientation, they've got a guide to the business. Um, I've set up a, a situation where they understand what's happening next. So there's two weeks of being mapped out for them. Mm. So in the time when they're sort of on edge and they're a bit unsure about how they're going to fit in, they're trying to become a wallflower so they can listen, even though they don't, they don't know they're doing that. Um, and then taking them out uh, for, I don't know, almost like plunge pool lunches with people. Mm. So, mm. you know, you pick a, two or three people and you drop them in there and you see how they react and, mm. and you do it with another group and, and you kind of get an idea. And if I can, I'd rinse them through in two weeks mm. Mm. Uh, through everybody. In a smaller company, you could do that. In a bigger one, not so much. Um, but then there's a different sort of framework in a bigger company. Yeah, yeah. But there is something going on, isn't there, in, in the sort of the mindset when you come into work. That first, mm. you, know, you go and join a new company. Yeah. You've got the excitement of what you've been told is going to happen. Yeah. You've got, you've got a little bit of nerves as well. You've got all of this sort of stuff going on. So maybe there's obviously, <clears throat> as you said, we set, you set an induction plan. You set milestones. You set certain things that have to happen at certain times. Yeah. Um, what is the sort of what are the key milestones for you for when, when someone comes into the business over, let's say, the first week, the first month, the first two, three months? What, broad, are you, what are you looking for? Broader scheme of things, I'm quite clear with them that I, I use as a, a basic overview, which is that when they come in, I'm expecting them to be very dependent. I'm not even going to just, I don't want them to jump the gun. I don't want them to try and be super independent straight away because that's just a mess. Um, you know, I like, come in early, be a part of the team, buy a round of donuts, whatever it is that's your particular gig for, for being possessed. Please do that, whatever that is. But initially, I want you to, to to reference as much as you can from everybody else. You know, we're going to find out what you know over time. But please be like a sponge. Come in and absorb everything you can from everybody. There are no stupid questions. Ask lots of questions. Yeah. And in fact, if anybody has an issue with you asking questions, please tell me who they are. Yeah, because I don't want that. 
Um, and then what you get is a person that's coming in and they're doing something, these are very specific terms of use, which is external reference and external check. And over time, what I want the person to be able to do is, is build up a large frame of reference and start to shift back so that they're using their own frame of reference and therefore they're more mobile, more autonomous and all that kind of thing. Uh, and then we start to find our feet for when the external check comes in. There's going to be external checks that have to happen, you know, like for a salesperson, I need to report at the end of the, end of the week and the end of the month. You know, um, depending where we're at or kind of how junior or mature the force is, if it's a more junior sales force we're setting up, we might find that we need a, a daily whip to keep, to get them online. They get the right kind of feedback and they can build their frame reference that way. More senior, we don't need that. You know, it depends. And eventually the person starts to become more internal reference, internal check, and then every now and again, an accountability. When you move up the chain, it's to a reporting into a board, your external check, or if you bring in a private equity company, it's reporting into the private <laughs> equity company, you know, whatever you've done that makes you accountable. Um, so the check then becomes about accountability more than it does about um, mm -hmm. whether or not somebody's controlling your career or not. Yeah. And you see a developmental pathway with the person. Yeah. How early, I think the, the goals and accountability and all that kind of stuff, how early do you introduce those into the cycle? Um, I'll probably have a discussion about what to expect of, uh, of how we think about things. How we think about things frames everything that we do. So I want a person to fully understand that, you know, everything they're thinking and feeling about what's going on right now is valid. Um, and anything they could possibly think about it that they want to bring to the table is even more so. Uh, and I want to encourage that constant flow of meeting them where they're at. And that's the thing that's important to find out where they're at. Uh, and then try and develop them from there. You know, there are obviously some expectations where, you know, if I've got a person that's coming in to work in accounts, they must be able to use Sage or something. I can't have somebody come in who's quite good at maths, but I can't figure out how to use your software. Um, you know, this is a little bit of an issue up front, yeah. so flush that one out early. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so really interesting, obviously, what you mentioned about sort of um, freedom to grow and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So difference between structure and freedom. Everybody needs to feel a little bit of freedom, but they need to be guided by the structural framework. Yeah. Some people more than others. Yes. How do you, let's say in that first, you know, few weeks, few months, whatever, as you're getting to know somebody and they're getting to know you, how do you implement and monitor that kind of balance of between structure and freedom? Uh, yeah, so I mean, one of the things that's really important to do is have regular and expected uh, touchdown points where you, they know they're going to check in with you. And it's going to be about uh, assessing that internal experience for them. Uh, and I think, you know, if you can, be very clear about what kind of language and what ways that they're representing them things to themselves. You know, if, if, if in the discussion they kind of come up with language that sounds trapped, uh, monosyllabic and, you know, they're constantly looking for the door, you know, then you know that something's not right. Um, if the person is effusive and is all over the place, then, you know, the energy's untapped, but you may need a bit more focusing. Um, you know, depends on what, you, what the things you've set. The things, as I mentioned before, is I would want to know how they're t checking in with other members of the business. I want to know how they're checking on with whatever t timeline of, of outcomes that we've agreed. You know, so show me your marketing calendar for the year. If it's a marketing consultant that's coming in to, to take on a, a marketing role, you know. Okay, what's the calendar looking like now? What does that tell you about what should happen next? Uh, you know, we could have asked them to speak to five or six different new magazines for where we want to profile. How do those conversations go? Some people, they're not comfortable picking up the phone. You won't find that out from a marketing person until you've given them a job that flushes them out and shows you they're an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's, that's another thing. That's a whole other <laughs> that's thing. That's a whole other thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because you learn so much about someone in that for that, that early early period. Yeah. And there's that sort of first three months hmm. where they're probably assessing you. Obviously, they're assessing whether they like the job or not. But obviously, yeah. you're assessing them a, a huge amount. And so I think I kind of want to talk about, we're talking more about development later on and internal development but and, and performance management. But I think there's a real unique bit of performance management and identifying whether this is actually a good fit in those first three months. And obviously most businesses will have a probationary period. Yeah. And so I kind of want to touch on this. Let's you know, figure, let's say we, we bring somebody in mm-hmm. and <clears throat> we obviously guide them and we support them and everything else. But at some point you figure actually this is not going to work. Yeah, if you can never make that, make it such, well, kind of make it, can't make anything, but yeah. if you can never facilitate it or, or um, assist the circumstance where a person moves into the next level, yeah. If it's always going to be the case, the person just as a failure to launch is another way of putting it. We had a we had a candidate like that um, not too long back, and it was a real shame. There was a maturity thing that just I don't know how many cycles it's going to take for that person to go through it, but we didn't have time for it, uh, and um, that 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 was we you had to just look at the properties of the outcomes you'd need to see, and then really refine. Uh, feedback on set tasks so the person could see the properties were not occurring. And then you have to drill down and to look at the behaviours that sit behind the actions that create the results that are the properties of what you want. You know, and then you get this almost engineered science of, of behaviour there. And you can then quite accurately see where it is the person is not quite firing. Mm. Um, and then if you want, if you get into it, you can make other assessments about what would need to happen there. Mm. But there's only so far I can go. You know, I'm not... Mm. I am a qualified coach, but I don't have permission to do that. Mm. I could ask for permission. I have tried that over the years. And in a, in, a, in a larger business, especially when you're shifting gears, if you're carrying too much of that, you can burn yourself out. So that's another problem. You know, it doesn't matter how skilled you are at helping to de- people to develop and re- realize their dreams. You're only human. Absolutely. And I think that's it. And I think it's, that's why it's really important. Everything we've talked about is that we start off with the expectation management, the milestones, the goals. Mm. Everything is pure black and white. It is 100% there because, you know, we've probably, you and I both been in situations where we've hired somebody, you've got this little niggle, something isn't quite working out. They're not quite hitting all of their goals, Mm. but you like them and you can see they've got potential. And you kind of have to, there's a human element to it as well. And there's an element of actually, well, is it my fault that they are not succeeding? Have I not given them the right training or given them the right tools to do their job? There's lots of different aspects that come into this. And it's a very human thing to think. think. Well, there's something that's coming up for me as you're saying that, and this is something that I found, oh, especially when you're under pressure. And you, let's say you put pressure on the business, you've gone for a target. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, it's meaningful. Yeah. And it could be that you've decided you want to go for an ISO quality rating or you wanted to get everything ready for GDPR or whatever the thing was. Um, and because of that, just slightly more of the bandwidth that you have has been dedicated slightly elsewhere than people. Mm. And then in the back of your mind, there's this constant nudge saying, there's that task I allocated. And yet every time I speak to them, it's like, <laughs> you know, this quality information means, yes, da, 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 da. you hear something like that and it just gets fed back to you in a proper order. And then you get this from <laughs> the person and you're like, I don't understand why that's not quite working. It's not that important, but it's not quite working. You know? And if I hadn't got all that bandwidth allocated elsewhere, I'd probably look at it. And as such, I found out on one particular case, the person just categorically did not understand the task. And so what I kept getting back was a fff. 
like a version of, you know, this is what I think it is. But it would be so far off because where they're coming from is so different from the task I've given them that I'm not able to even understand that it's a failure. Mm. I'm just looking at something that looks like it's in a different language. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've spoken to loads of people professionally and they find that they've got project managers, whoever is in their team, people who don't have intrinsic knowledge. Maybe they're supposed to be subject matter experts, but they come in with a skill set to push things through processes. And because they don't have a, an intrinsic knowledge of the, of the matter, they think that their system will work to help you to get the project done. And you can't, sometimes when you're so busy and this person's there to help the cognitive loading, your cognitive stress that you're under because you're busy trying to do things. You need another sort of pillar in your business. And you, you eventually have to take yourself offline, go and have a look at that person. You realize they're never going to get it, you know, because yeah. they are specifically a, uh, a factory process person yeah. and great for whatever they've done before in the past, but the jump from where they're at to what you're doing, yeah. uh, that's the, I don't know, more of an outsourcing comment, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think the key thing is, especially in that initial period, is to be very black and white about absolutely everything. Yes. And, you know, have those conversations and sort of um, make sure... Sh- yeah, I think, I think the thing that, to really put a finer point on it is there's a difference between shallow processing and deep processing. So shallow processing, you scan a document. Yeah, this is an example of that. Scan a document and everything that kind of looks like it should be there is there. Deep processing is you go, well, actually, that word means... And then if that means that, then the rest of the document should mean it's wrong, Right. And if you're constantly managing through shallow processing and it's working for you, that's fine, but you're lucky because you, you should do some deep processing of what's going on as well. And uh, yeah, and I find that that's where issues will start to come up. When you start yeah. to move from deep processing of information, business yeah. information, yeah. and you're only shallow processing, you could be heading for an iceberg. Yeah. And just to sort of close this, this, this part all about recruitment and onboarding, celebrating success, celebrating mm. achievement. How do you do that? Well, I mean, that's, you know, within reasonable parameters, finding what really lights a person up, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's pointless saying we're going to do this amazing outcome for you guys and they're afraid of swimming or whatever and you're going to take them to a water park or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great, you know. That's going to be absolutely meaningless. Well, not meaningless at all. It's going to mean everything. Um, you know, so I'm very, very interested. Like if a person you know, would like to take their partner away to Paris or um, with a, I, in a previous business uh, called V Networks, I had a, my top sales guy his dream, because he was all about recognition and significance, big thing for him. As a salesperson, that's awesome, you know. Uh, and um, he always wanted the Porsche, and he wanted to be on the front cover of our industry magazine. So we did both. I set him a number up to, you know, we could hit, and I arranged the day with the industry photographer came in and um, it just set it exactly right, you know. And that was nice. You know, I've got a photo of that in the other room. You know, I've got that framed from the previous business. Yeah. And at the center of my memory of that business, uh, before I exited that company was that was delivering on on that because it's as much incumbent on me as it was on the other person mm. to set up the whole frame for that to work mm. you know mm. does, that, does that answer your question absolutely absolutely um just to finish this first part about recruitment and onboarding give me your kind of if you've got sort of two or three tips you could give any other business owner manager entrepreneur to if you could just summarize what we just talked about into sort mm. of three concise three or four concise areas um for a successful recruitment and onboarding? I've got exactly three, yep. uh, which is these are the most important things I've learned about getting the best from an employee, if that's any good to you. Um, one is uh, the need to have the right balance between a dictated structure and creative freedom. Uh, when people first start with you, the balance is likely to be biased towards a dictated structure. You know, they need a framework in which they feel there's boundaries and they feel secure and they know where everything is. And then over time, it can shift increasingly towards more creativity or self-generated activity 
And then you reward them with feedback, at the very least, to say, wow, you completely did that on your own. And if you can highlight what they did that was different outside of the box and say, please, may I have more of that? I'm also a big believer of in focusing on the more of what you want more of so that it, it displaces the thing that you want less of. Because in coaching, the classic uh, rule is, is, is not to talk so much about what you don't want. Otherwise, you're just going to get more of that. You know, Classic example is of the golfer who's on that all-important hole on that particular course where you know there's a bit of water and then there's a hole on the other side and they keep putting the ball in the water. If you go into their head and you ask them, what's the last thing you see before you hit the ball? They'll tell you, I see the water. <laughs> okay, can you just start thinking about the hole on the other side? You know, and all of a sudden, they're actually telling themselves the correct information where it needs to go. Um, the other point two, uh, seeing the person as the person they can become makes them want to try harder most of the time. And that can infuriate people in other cases. But you find the right individual. If you see them as the person they can become, they do try harder and they do want to reach further. And um, the other side of that is being real with them um, so they can see where they're at right now. If a person feels like they can't touch the bottom of the swimming pool kind of thing, then they don't really know how they can start learning. So you kind of get ease them in gently so they can find where they're at and then help them to move self-directed from where they are, you know. Um, point three, the most simple rule I have uh, is that I wouldn't treat an employee in any way that I would not want to be treated myself. Um, which also means not treating them exactly how I might treat myself as well. Because, you know, one of the big things to think about is that when you put yourself under pressure, some people have got very unhealthy conversations with themselves. So you want to, maybe how you do yourself along is not the way that other people will take it because people are at different stages in their lives. Um, but yeah, generally kind of, you know, do unto others as you have them do unto you. And uh, this extends to making sure that targets and goals are reasonable, meaningful and collaborative. So in part two of this uh, two-part episode, we're going to be talking about developing your people. Now we've talked about onboarding and recruitment. So please subscribe to the Business of People and we'll look forward to seeing you again in part two.